and blogging the boys. RJ, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How about yourselves? Happy Monday. Yeah, exactly. Happy Monday, indeed. Hey, so let's let's uh, dive into the Cowboys. Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence. Give us an update. Uh, are are these guys going to be ready to go on opening day? Yeah, I think they'll be good to go. The Cowboys just taking things slow with them. They're obviously two players that are incredibly important to their overall cause. Um, I, you know, Jerry Jones said he doesn't anticipate seeing them until the team gets back to Dallas until after their second preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals. So they're on ice, uh, which provides a lot of opportunities for some other players down the roster. RJ, Mike McCarthy's glowing reviews on Micah Parsons. He seems to be impressing everybody uh, in Cowboy camp. Is this guy going to be already the starter day one, just stepping in and be the leader that they wanted him to be on the field? You know, I think he's, I mean, Mike McCarthy doesn't talk that way about rookie players or hasn't at least historically. And so I think that there's a lot of people who are incredibly impressed by Micah Parsons, which is a difficult thing to pull off as a rookie linebacker. It's easy to flash when you play a skill position at different moments, especially in camp, but it does seem like the Cowboys obviously want to put a lot on Micah's plate. And I, I think some of that has to do with obviously who Micah is as a player and what he offers the team. But I think some of it also has to do with the options behind him. I think the Cowboys are just kind of done trusting Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith. And so it's all kind of led to a situation where Micah Parsons needs to be the guy that we're all hoping he is, because if not, then there's going to be a lot of questions they have to ask. All right, uh, Dak Prescott uh, on, on the sidelines. Uh, they're, they're not going to throw him for, uh, for a few days. Uh, and, and really, the Cowboys downplaying this. Should they be downplaying this? Uh, I mean, just your overall thoughts there. Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've thought a lot over the last week or so since, um, since this first flared up about what Dak Prescott said at his press conference when he got his big-time contract from the Cowboys. He mentioned how, you know, obviously the play that Dak was hurt on was him scrambling and trying to pick up a first down, something that not a lot of quarterbacks do. And he mentioned how he realized, you know, at the time that, you know, the organization was making a huge financial commitment to him. And so they didn't, you know, he, he had to be aware of that. He had to be cognizant of that because Dak Prescott missing time hurts the overall cause, which is the Cowboys winning games. And so I think that this is Dak just, you know, there's no need to push yourself certainly in late July or early August. And, you know, I mentioned he, he felt something that wasn't right. He didn't want to make a small problem a big thing. And so I, I think he's he's kind of, you know, leaning or erring on the side of caution, at least right now, um, you know, because the circumstances aren't important. If it was, you know, week eight and the Cowboys are getting ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that, obviously things are a little bit different. But, but right now they have, you know, the luxury of time, the luxury of preparation. And so it seems like they're just trying to, you know, be very, very, very smart about everything involved. RJ, you've covered this team for a long time. Are you comfortable – with the other guys that they got behind Dak Prescott? In no universe. I mean, am I, am I comfortable? Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, and I, I say that as a fighting Texas Aggie who, um, who Garrett Gilbert, you know, gave me one of the greatest memories of my lifetime, at least uh, when, when he was in college before he had to up and leave. Um, and so, I mean, you would think that the Cowboys would have learned from this. And I think that, you know, that's something that is not new. You know, after Tony Romo missed you know, 12 games in the 2015 season, the Cowboys didn't really respond, you know, the following offseason. And they had, you know, at that time a really, I don't say injury-prone quarterback, but but a little bit more fragile one in, in an older Tony Romo than Dak Prescott is right now. The Cowboys went into that 2016 season with Kellen Moore as the primary backup for Dak Prescott and a fourth-round rookie named Dak Prescott. And so – 
Um, you know, things worked out, thankfully. They got really lucky there, obviously. The Dak Prescott ended up being amazing. But you would have thought that after this past season that the Cowboys would have said, our methodology here isn't working. And, you know, if the truth is if Dak Prescott were to go down and miss 10 games, 8 games, whatever, I mean, this team isn't, isn't accomplishing what they want to accomplish anyway. But life in the NFL is a war of attrition. And so you might need a backup quarterback to, to play three games, to play a game, to play two games. And, you know, if, if you don't have a qualified player there and you miss the playoffs by a game or two games or three games, I mean, it's, it's due to your own lack of preparation. The Cowboys, to their credit, you know, spent a lot of resources on fixing the defense. But this was such a glaring problem that it's, it's really befuddling that they didn't choose to answer it. And, um, you know, hopefully they don't have to pay any sort of price for that. RJ, staying with that subject for just a second, is there anybody out there that you look at and go, well, why don't they just try to go and get that guy? You know, I think for me, the the biggest question or, or the biggest point of concern when it comes to their backup quarterbacks now and Garrett Gilbert, Cooper Rush, and Ben DiNucci is, is their lack of experience. And to be clear, nobody is ever going to have a backup quarterback that they are pumped about. Nobody's that just that doesn't exist in the NFL. There there aren't even 32 quarterbacks who pump up teams, um, you know, just as starters. And mm-hmm. so. I think that, you know, your backup position is about hedging your bet and it's about maximizing odds. It's about casting as wide of a net as possible. And to do that, I think a, a, a strong way to do that is to get somebody that has experience. And so, you know, Blake Bortles is out there. And I like people laugh when you say things like that, but Blake Bortles has started a lot of NFL games in his career. Andy Dalton, you know, a- Andy Dalton was never a quarterback that was going to be able to start, you know, 10 or 11 games for you and, and take you to a Super Bowl last year. But, but had the Cowboys had to have only relied on him for a game or two, I think he would have been what they needed. But, you know, they obviously had a lot of other injuries and issues along the offense that, that didn't exactly give Andy a fair shake. And so if if you're talking about all other variables are the same and, and equal and, and it's just you got to have one quarterback come in for, for one Sunday road game, you know, against the Carolina Panthers or something like that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a Blake Bortles game as far as I'm concerned. It's more of a Blake Bortles game than it is a – Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush or Ben DiNucci game. And so um, I would love to see anybody who started a significant amount of NFL games, you know, in their career behind there. That's not always available, but it is right now in Blake Bortles. Have you seen anybody have a camp like C.D. Lamb apparently is having right now? I've only seen one player, and it's Des Bryant. Um, you know, somebody who's just that dynamic, that special, and, and somebody who when they do things like that, that energy is just apparent and, and sort of trans, you know, tr- transitions itself towards everybody else. And, and CD is infectious in that way. And so it's been a while. And, and some of that is that it's been a while, obviously since the Cowboys have practiced at Oxnard and it's been a while since things have felt normal. I mean, there's a lot of continuity on this team. It's, it's a team that, you know, Micah Parsons is new. Yes. But you know, there's a lot of veteran players that offense is returning every player they intended to start last season. And so, I mean, there was room for another elder statesman, and it seems like C.D. Lamb's taken that and taken it for himself. I know it's a small sample size, but what should Cowboy fans expect this defense to look like under Dan Quinn? You know, I think so often we look at defenses, and, and we, I'm sure we've all said the sentence, you know, all this defense has to do is be average to be, you know, enough for what the team needs. And I, I certainly think they'll be that. I think that they'll be more disciplined. I think they'll be more prone to getting turnovers. I think they'll be more aggressive in situations that make sense to be. Um, but but that, that discipline sense, I think, goes a long way. This is a team and a defense that was really sloppy and really unorganized last year. And I think a lot of that's been cleaned up, not just by bringing in new players and drafting players like Micah Parsons, but in coaching style. I mean, 
the the thing that I've really you know been so impressed with Dan Quinn and and some of this is that you know Mike Nolan's only experience as the Cowboys defensive coordinator was in the era of social distancing but Dan Quinn is such a teacher that that's the word that, that I just kind of keep thinking of when it comes to him he's such a teacher wanting to teach different phases of defense different things and so I think that 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 will show itself up at some point in the season you know you have to practice different things and Dan Quinn's making sure that happens and that's a really exciting thing. You, we we were talking defense, Malik Hooker. What what do you see from Malik? I think he just raises the floor for, for the the safety group as a whole. I mean, if there's a weak part, well, there is a weak part, but I mean, the weakest part of the Cowboys' defense is undeniably their secondary, and and a lot of that is you know the heavy part of their resources were spent at linebacker. Yes, they did draft Kelvin Joseph and Deshaun Ryden. Israel Mukwamu, but you know it's so hard to you know to really depend on those players being great in their first season with the Cowboys, and so I think Malik Hooker gives you I don't want to say an adult in the room, but but somebody who's been there, who's done that, and not just obviously at the NFL, but obviously one of the greater college safeties you've seen in some time, and so I think he stabilizes that group, and you know it's it doesn't take much to to bring somebody in to stabilize the safety position on the Cowboys, but he he elevates their floor and and he gives them more to work with which is really right now right now it's about it's not even about quality or quantity it's just about getting players that aren't a disaster for the Cowboys in that particular position last year the uh, Cowboys signed uh, Maurice Kennedy uh, and he sat out last year because of COVID he had that option and he took the option to set out uh, from what I've read he's been really impressive so far in camp yeah that's probably been I think it's hard to grade the biggest surprise. I mean, because there are certain things that are surprises in different ways, but you could certainly make an argument that Maurice Kennedy's up there, especially because he did opt out. Um, and, and I mean, he's really, I think, challenging. I think when you, when you try to figure out how many corners and which corners this team's going to carry on their roster, when they, they ultimately set their 53, you know, I know personally, I, I was already kind of scratching Maurice Kennedy off. I don't know of another player in the NFL at the moment that, that opted out last year and is really kind of turning heads. Now, you know, to be fair, the, the context is important that it's it's not difficult to really stand out amongst Cowboys defensive backs. But but he looks really strong. He he had a really small sample size in 2019 before the Cowboys signed him. But he was somebody who Pro Football Focus thought rather highly of in terms of his overall defensive grade for that season. And Mike McCarthy, you know, says that he's big on analytics and things like that. And so it's nice to see those results translating. R.J. Ochoa blogging the boys with us here on ESPN Central Texas. And R.J. starting on Thursday night, what are some position battles you've got your eye on for the Cowboys? Well, we talked about backup quarterback. Uh, I don't know that Garrett Gilbert plays a ton, but it will be really interesting to watch Ben DiNucci just because he's never really had a fair opportunity. So, I mean, the guy you know, had to start last season, but seeing him in the preseason will be a lot of fun. I think watching how these backup offensive linemen work, which players are going to play well at guard. Brandon Knight's gotten some work at guard. I'm really excited and interested to see how that's going to shake itself out. I want to see how these, you know, down the roster edge rushers do. I mean, we talked a lot at Blogging the Boys last year about Bradley and I, the team's fifth round pick last year, and, and how they should continually play him, and they never did. And he's been a name that hasn't popped this year in training camp that we kind of thought would. And so maybe he's not the player that a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, for what it's worth, Daniel Jeremiah had him graded as the best value any team drafted last year. And so maybe that just isn't going to take in the NFL. What's Dorrance Armstrong look like? What does Chauncey Golston, one of the team's third-round picks this year, look like? What do the team's, you know, young defensive backs look like this year? There's a lot of 
a lot of people, a lot of players down the roster at defensive back overall at both corner and safety. So really it's, you know, people are going to freak out because that's what happens these days, but watching everybody on defense is going to be a really instructional process. RJ, this may not be fair, but who cares? I'm asking it anyway. Uh, <laughs> when you, when you look at this football team, when you look at this roster, when you look at this coaching staff and where they are, what should Cowboy fans expect? What should be the minimal expectation for this football team in 2021? I think that's a fair question. So good for you asking it. Um, I think, you know, I, I think we, I go back and forth on this because I think that, you know, things change. And last year was obviously broken in, in a lot of different ways for the Cowboys. But um, I, I think that it's fair to expect an NFC's title, like at the very least. I mean, this division is so bad. Um, and, and it, you know, didn't really improve in, in any marketable way that, that is worth, you know, being fearful of if you're a Cowboys fan. And I think, you know, it's fair to expect the Cowboys to challenge for an NFC title. I mean, the, the reason Mike McCarthy was hired over, um, although, you know, the Cowboys did interview Marvin Lewis, but, the, you know, the Cowboys didn't go down the Lincoln-Riley route. They didn't go down the Matt Rule route. They, they didn't go down any path towards, you know, a, a young up-and-comer that was kind of going to, you know, start, start from scratch, so to speak. The reason they chose Mike McCarthy was because they were, they were that piece away. And I think it's fair to say, you know what? Last year, you had a lot of a lot of issues with COVID. Dak got hurt. Your offensive line got hurt. Leighton Vanderish got hurt. Blah blah blah. There are a lot of fair excuses to talk about last season, but those things are all gone now. You've had a, a year to to get right, to get ready, to prepare. You know, Mike McCarthy did sit out all of the 2019 season and literally planned how he was going to handle you know his return to the NFL, and that plan got thrown out the door the moment COVID struck, which was obviously very early in last offseason in the NFL. And so he's had enough time to get his bearings to figure things out. And so I think it's fair to expect them to challenge. Some people might say it's fair to expect them to, to make it a Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl. I think that's a little bit too lofty, but they, they have on paper one of the best offenses in the NFL in a day and age where the game is built and structured for offensive success. So if they can't ride that wave to a legitimate degree, then there's a bigger problem. Hey, RJ, well, what, are you, uh, what are you working on for blogging the boys right now? We're really excited. Obviously, uh, the Cowboys play this week. It's a game week, which is, is always fun. It's preseason, but it's a good time for us to practice, too. Uh, we're really up in our YouTube coverage this year and this season. Uh, we have a live stream coming out tomorrow where we'll talk about practice after it's over. We're going to do live streams after every episode of Hard Knocks, kind of kind of gather together. If anybody wants to have a nightcap, that's up to them and talk about what we saw. Uh, we'll have a post-game show as soon as the preseason game is over. We've got articles coming out all the time, podcasts coming out all the time. This is the best time of year, so it's really exciting uh, for football to be here, to be talking to you guys, and uh, hopefully for uh, you know the fall foods to start to show up on menus around. <laughs> Good one. Hey, RJ, thanks so much. Have a great day, and we appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good week. See you.